and uh, it launched him into some uh, controversy with the, with the uh, Jewish leaders. And let me start just reading the story. We'll pick it up part way in verse 8. Jesus told the man, Stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath day. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. It is illegal to carry that sleeping mat. And the man replied, Well, the man who healed me said to me, Pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Well, who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went to find the Jewish leaders and told them it was Jesus who had healed him. So, the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath. But Jesus replied, My father never stops working, and neither do I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the more to kill him. In addition to disobeying the Sabbath, he had spoken of God as his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Let's pray as we look at God's word. Lord God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is your heart, uh, your desire to reveal your heart to us, uh, to communicate to us your purpose and will for our lives. Uh, Lord, most of all, I believe with all my heart that you want to bless us with joy and your goodness. Lord, I pray that this morning we would get a new, a new glimpse of... Uh, of how we can achieve that, that joy, that purpose of knowing your goodness in our life. Uh, we ask that your spirit would truly speak to us, that it would not be my words or my thoughts, but your spirit and your word teaching us. Uh, minister to each person this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, this is the beginning in John, and it's a recurring theme throughout this gospel, as well as the other gospels, of one of Jesus' main conflicts with the, uh, the Jewish religious leaders. And that conflict centered around the Sabbath. Uh, over and over, we find Jesus butting heads with the religious leaders uh, because he's healing on the Sabbath, he's doing things on the Sabbath. In other Gospels, we find his disciples doing things on the Sabbath, which they saw as breaking this very important rule, this very important law of the Sabbath. And... Uh, this is the first incident of it here. Jesus cures this man who's been crippled for 38 years. An amazing miracle. The man stands up after being lame for 38 years. He begins to walk. And uh, all the, the Jews, the religious leaders, notice is this guy carrying his bed, which would be carrying a burden. It was, it was specifically and expressly forbidden by Jewish law. And so they accuse the man. The man says, don't blame me. I just am the guy that got healed here. I don't know anything about this. Uh, he basically blames and points the finger at Jesus. Um, and so the, the Jews accuse him. It says that they accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. And the verb that's used there has the idea of being in the habit of continually breaking the Sabbath. So it's apparent that even though this is the first incident in the Gospel of John, that this is not the first time they had observed this. And they had uh, clashed with Jesus on this before they had been observing this. And they were really saying here, not that Jesus just did it this one time, but that Jesus was in the continual habit, regularly, of breaking the Sabbath. 
Uh, and the word they use there for break is actually a very interesting word. It's literally the word to loose. They were loose, loosing the Sabbath. And it can have many meanings. Uh, well, probably here it has the idea of to dissolve or do away with the Sabbath. That, that Jesus' actions as a teacher, his doing miracles, was actually communicating or teaching that he was throwing the Sabbath out. Okay? Now that was their accusation. As we'll see in a moment, I don't think that's what Jesus was really doing. But that's what they accused him of. Of, of, of undermining, of, of throwing out, of dissolving uh, the very tradition and keeping of the Sabbath. Uh, it's interesting, it also has the meaning to lose somebody or set them free from a burden. Which as we will see, the Jews were under an incredible burden trying to keep the Sabbath. And there is a sense in which Jesus was setting them free from this, this burden of, of rules and regulations. Um, and Jesus here defends himself. We'll look at his defense in a minute. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is this question. The Jews accuse him. They say to Jesus, you are breaking the Sabbath. You are a lawbreaker. By doing what you were doing, you are violating one of God's Ten Commandments. You are breaking the law. Now, there's an interesting question. Was Jesus a Sabbath breaker? It's interesting here, Jesus does not defend that he was not breaking the Sabbath. Uh, in this passage, he, his defense is, he doesn't have to keep the Sabbath because he's God. And we'll look at that in a minute. Uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't defend uh, being a keeper of the Sabbath. And this raises interesting questions for us. Is God... You know, can God break his own laws? Is God, is it within God's moral bounds to keep all of his own commandments? Uh, that's really the, the dilemma that's raised here by Jesus. Uh, was he a Sabbath breaker? Did he break the Old Testament law of the Sabbath? Uh, uh, can God break his own laws? Can Jesus, as God, break the commandments? Um, is Jesus here... Is he doing away with the Sabbath? Is he saying, yeah, it was a bad idea, I don't know what God was thinking, we're ejecting that out of the, out of the plan. We don't need that anymore. Um, those are some of the questions that this issue raises. And I want to focus on that this morning. Well, let me give you the short answer to those three questions. The three questions, did he break the law? Can God break his own law? And is Jesus doing away with the Sabbath? Okay, here's the question of those three, the answer to those three questions would be simply no. Okay, no. First of all, uh, he was not breaking the fourth commandment. Uh, we'll see more why in a minute. But uh, he was breaking a lot of the man-made additions to the original command, uh, hundreds of them, and he did violate one of those man-made additions. But I don't believe that intent, in, 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 you know, if we were to try it legally, I don't think Jesus was actually breaking the command in its original form. Secondly, uh, God, and especially Jesus, cannot break his commands. Okay, even though he's God, he can do whatever he wants, but he can't violate his own principles. Jesus came, uh, it says in Matthew, to fulfill and complete the law. Uh, chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 of Matthew say, Don't misunderstand why I have come, Jesus says. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, in fact, I came to accomplish fully their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. 
Uh, and certainly, keeping the Sabbath was not one of the smaller commandments. I mean, this made like the ten. You know, it was a major commandment. Uh, a big one. Uh, it would be uh, inconceivable for Jesus to break one of those commandments. That's why he came. He came to complete and fulfill, to perfectly carry out and accomplish all of God's commands. So Jesus could not have been breaking this commandment here. Uh, number three, uh, is Jesus doing it with the Sabbath? Well, it's interesting, and we don't have time to look through all these scriptures. By the way, if you want to study this further, I can email you all the scriptures uh, from Old and New Testament on this, and you can study through it yourself. Throughout the Gospels, there's nowhere that Jesus in any way throws out the Sabbath. Okay, there's nowhere where he says, this is a bad idea, we're doing away with this. Okay, we're going to a seven, eight, nine-day week, let's go to a nine-day week, no days of rest. Okay, doesn't do that. Um, there's no place where he in any way indicates that he is dismissing this law. Um, uh, let's look at Jesus' defense real, real briefly. Um, there, were no, there are a number of things that he could have used in his defense. Uh, I really believe that the Jews here were accusing him of, th- of rules they had made up, not God's original commandment about the Sabbath. Jesus could easily have said, you know, you guys added all these rules. You're the ones who said, don't carry your bed or don't heal. God didn't say that. Okay, Jesus could have used that as his defense. Interestingly, here, he doesn't use that defense. Uh, he could have said, uh, he could have said, you know, the Sabbath is no longer valid. That was part of Israel, that was part of the old kingdom. I'm bringing a new kingdom in which that will no longer be relevant. He doesn't say that either. Uh, in fact, what he says, his defense is simply this. He says, um, my father never stops working and I don't stop working. Uh, my father is continually working, I am continually working. That's his defense. Um, the Jews uh, recognized and admitted that there is a sense in which God rested on the seventh day, but there's also a sense in which God can't really, really take the day off. Uh, they believe, as we do, that God created, but he sustains everything in the universe. That moment by moment, God himself holds it all together. Uh, how he does that, I don't know. He's God, he's big, it's a big universe, but he is somehow able to keep it all together. And the Jews believe that in some sense it was required that God continually uh, be active in the work of sustaining his creation. Uh, So there's a sense in which, yeah, God rested, but there's also a sense in which God can never stop working. And the Jews kind of conceded that and, and, and admitted that. And Jesus is basically saying, God can't take the day off and neither can I. Uh, because I am doing my Father's work. And in the next passage we'll look at, he really talks about being an agent of God at work in the world. The interesting thing is that what Jesus is really saying here is his real defense is this. He's saying God cannot take the day off and I can't either because I also am divine. I am here as my Father's agent, as God incarnate in the world. And when you're God, you just can't take the day off. That's ultimately his argument. Uh, If you doubt that's what the Jews understood, look at the next verse. It says, So the Jews tried all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath rules, but he was making himself equal with God. They understood it. They got what Jesus was saying. That uh, he held a unique position in the universe 
as God's son, as God's agent in the world, that um, kind of exempted him in a sense from, from the Sabbath rules as a normal person. Um, so that's Jesus' defense here. Um, the question for us is really, what does this have to do with us? You know, um, what, are, what are the implications of what Jesus says and does here for us as people who, by and large, don't really keep the Sabbath? I don't know about you, but you know, I'm not Seventh-day Adventist. There may be some here who are, uh, and certainly Seventh-day Adventists take this uh, Sabbath thing very literally. My guess is that most of us have no clue. If we had to define the Sabbath, we probably couldn't really define it very well. We'd say, well, it probably has something to do with Saturday, or since we're Christians, we just moved it to Sunday. Um, for me personally, you know, I've never sat through, like in seminary or Bible college, I never had like Sabbath 101. You know, that part of the curriculum got skipped for sure. Um, it's interesting though, here as we look at the Gospels, that Jesus upholds the Sabbath. Uh, he in no place in the Gospels uh, dismisses it. Um, here his defense is one that we can't claim. Okay, none of us can say this. None of us can say, well, I have to give the Sabbath because God my Father works and I work. Now, now some of you may think that, you know, the world will, will stop existing if you stop working. Okay, some of you who are like higher up in your organizations, who are like in charge of things, okay, you may believe that your, your organization will cease to exist if you took a day off. Okay, well, it's not true. All right, God, Jesus can claim that exemption. You and I cannot. None of us have that divine authority or standing. Uh, we can't opt out of the Sabbath on that grounds. So what grounds do we opt out? Because, quite frankly, I think most of us probably don't really keep the Sabbath. I know I don't. Well, why don't I? Why have we kind of checked this commandment? There's ten commandments. Uh, for the most part, all of us would agree that, you know, being faithful to your wife still counts today. That uh, not lying still counts today. Why have we ejected the Sabbath? Well, I think that's an important question and one worthy of exploring, so I, I want to look at that this morning. What does the Bible really say about the Sabbath? Are we to keep it? Are we to observe it somehow? Um, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I, I had some friends who went to a church. I don't know that it was actually Seventh-day Adventist, but it was a church that was very serious about the Sabbath. And uh, on Sunday... Uh, we, I'd say go to their house and I'd say, hey, let's go play football, let's go play soccer, let's go play. And their answer was always, oh, I can't play today, it's the Sabbath. And those poor kids were like tortured. Every day they just had to sit around, they couldn't have fun on Sunday. And uh, that was like the rule. And I thought, I'm glad I don't go to that church. And I, you know, I, I wanted to stay far away from churches like that, because I wanted to have fun on Sunday. And uh, they didn't. Uh, we can... Look back at history, guys like Eric Little, the Olympic runner that the movie Chariots of Fire was made after, refused to run in the Olympics on Sunday because he wanted to keep that day uh, a Sabbath. Uh, is that right? Did they have it right? Are we missing something? Well, I want to take a real quick survey. We're going to look at the whole Bible this morning. Um, <laughs> so hang on. And uh, see what... Uh, a, a quick survey, what is the Sabbath about? Old, New Testament, and beyond. Well, of course, we do start, and it starts um, all the way back at, at the beginning in Genesis, chapter 2. Uh, the Sabbath is seen as part of God's order and design and creation. Uh, it, it goes way back, far beyond Israel. 
Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 tell us this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creating. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Uh, in the Hebrew, it really has the idea that he refreshed himself. He, uh, he renewed himself. Um, there's a couple of things we can learn from this, this, these verses. First of all, it was a time of rest. Uh, God himself rested. Not because he was tired, okay? God wasn't exhausted. He wasn't worn out. But he ceased from his creative work. And the, day of, the, the idea of rest is not so much that he was worn out and took a nap. I don't think God took a nap. I know he didn't. Uh, he, he did, however, cease from his creative work. And he had been working for six days, actively creating. And on the seventh day, he stopped that work. As we said, he didn't stop work altogether. He sustains, he holds all life together. He is the, the source of all things. Everything comes from him. Uh, there's a sense in which God did not cease all activity, but he certainly stopped his creative work. He stopped his active work of, of making the world and the universe and life. So it was a day of, of rest in that sense, a day of ceasing from labor. Secondly, it was a day that God uh, honored and set apart in commemoration of himself and of his creative work. It says that he declared it holy. And uh, in the Old Testament, the idea of holiness always has the sense of setting something apart, sacred or special for God. Uh, dedicated, is another way you could put it. He dedicated it to himself. It was a day that was set apart for God's memory, God's remembrance, God's purpose. Um, the third principle we see here is that it's, uh, it is one day out of seven. Uh, he didn't say, you know, once a year I set this day of rest, or, you know, at the new moon and the, and the full moon. Uh, he says once a week, one in seven, I have set apart this day, the seventh day, uh, for rest and, and as a holy day. Um, the last thing we could gather from this passage is that it is, it is a universal principle laid down at creation. Uh, you know, it's right up there, really, it's right up there with marriage as an institution that God set from the beginning order of the world. God said, let there be a seventh day, let it be a day of rest, let it be a day, a holy day set apart for me. Um, there, there are those that would argue we don't keep a Sabbath because it's a Jewish thing. And as we have moved out of the age of the dispensation, the age of Judaism, uh, we no longer observe it. But that's it's not a good argument because it really predates and goes long before Judaism. It goes back to the very first days of creation, the beginning. Um, and and from, that day, from that day, from that first day of God's rest, it was set apart as a day of rest, ceasing from labor, and uh, set up, they set apart wholly for God. Uh, we kind of fast forward through a, a big chunk of history and time to the Exodus, uh, the Israelites were saved out of Egypt. Uh, Moses comes along. They end up at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God makes a new covenant with Israel, uh, a new covenant relationship. And here we find, again, Sabbath really mentioned for the very first time. And in Exodus, it is 
the Sabbath is seen in God's covenant, in terms of God's covenant relationship with Israel. And it's named specifically, as we said, in the Ten Commandments. It's, it's commandment number, f- does anybody know? Four. Because I started to say it, that's why you knew, right? I gave it away. <laughs> oh, I did say it earlier. Okay, well, I gave you the answer. See, it's good you were listening. Um, it's actually given, the Ten Commandments, of course, are given twice in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. It's, a, it's interesting, they're not recorded exactly the same. There's some slight differences. And it gives us kind of two broad um, pictures of how this concept is, is seen in, the, in, in Israel's covenant relationship. First, in Exodus 20, it says this, Remember to observe, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For six days, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. Uh, in, in the first account here in, in Exodus, it's cast in light of creation. He says, God created the world in six days and then he rested. And as creator of the universe, as the one who has ordered all things, who has put the universe together, uh, in light of that, he calls Israel to a day of rest, one in seven, the seventh day. Uh, in Deuteronomy, he says a lot of the same things. Observe the Sabbath, keep it holy, don't work. Your, your children, your livestock. But then he ends it this way. He changes it a bit. He says, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. It's interesting in Deuteronomy, he frames it not in the, in the work of creation, but in the work of redemption. He says, we, we, we set apart this day partly to remember God as creator, but also as a day to remember his redemptive work in our life. And really, those are the two great works of God. Uh, God's work in the world involves two things. First, his work of creating, and then, because of sin, what he created was, was destroyed, was tainted, was ruined, was corrupted. And then God came along and he recreated in redemption, in his saving purpose and plan. And we see that pictured in Israel as they were sold into bondage and slavery and God set them free from that bondage to go to a promised land, a land of new life and new hope and new promise. And in that context, in that light of redemption and of saving, they were to remember God uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, in both cases, the Sabbath was set aside as a day to remember God in his, in his great works. Uh, to honor him, to worship him, and to remember him. To seek to know this God who is both creator and redeemer. Um, also, in this, in, in this covenant um, promise, this covenant contract between God and man, it was, again, to be a day set apart for God, a holy day. Uh, a day in which they were to honor God and use it for his purpose. Uh, it was to be a day of rest, not only for them, but for, for everyone. In other words, it wasn't enough for us just not to work for the Israelites, not to work, but they weren't to be causing work for others. So they had to give their employees a day off and their children. Uh, as we look through, and we won't look at all these scriptures, but as you look through the rest of the Old Testament, 
it, it was a significant day in Israel's history. Uh, it was a day they put a great deal of weight on. And uh, it, was, it was, by and large, a good day, by my definition, because it was a day that involved a lot of eating and food. Uh, it was described, they, they would describe the two great activities of the Sabbath as half a day of eating and half a day in the Word. I like that. You know, that's a good plan for me. You know, half a day of eating and celebrating, half a day of being in worship and in the Word. It was a day of assembly. Uh, they were to come to the temple. And later, when synagogues were built, it was a day of coming to the synagogue to hear teaching, to hear the word, to worship together, to sing praises to God. Uh, and in that way, it was made holy, set aside for God's purpose. Um, it was a covenant sign for Israel. And also, later on in the Old Testament, it, it says that it is one of the marks or signs of the covenant. And it ranked right up there with circumcision. If you were a Jew, you you designated or you remembered or you showed that you are a covenant member by your participation in the Sabbath, by setting that side a day as a day of rest. Uh, as we know, the Jews were not terribly good at keeping God's covenant at many levels, including keeping the Sabbath. And in the end, it became one of the reasons that God judged them. And in the prophets, uh, Israel was, was condemned and criticized harshly because they had not kept the Sabbath well. And it was one of the reasons God sent them into captivity and into judgment. And so as they came back out of judgment, out of captivity, uh, they worked extra hard at keeping the Sabbath because they had realized it was one of their failures, one of their faults uh, before God's judgment. And so they worked very hard at keeping the Sabbath. Um, but that wasn't always, didn't always make it a good thing. Uh, it's interesting that all of God's good promises and gifts, which, by the way, I really believe that the Sabbath ultimately was a gift. God looked at us and he said, you know, if I don't put some parameters in your life, uh, you guys will kill yourselves. You'll just work yourselves to death. And I want to give you the gift of rest. I want to give you the gift of renewing yourself. Because uh, you'll live longer that way. And you'll be happier. And, you know, you won't be such grouchy people. But it's amazing how we can abuse all of God's good, good gifts. How easy it is for us to uh, twist God's gift into something that's not a gift in the end. And so, uh, so it is with the Sabbath as it fell into the wrong hands. All of God's good commands, all of God's promises, when it falls in the wrong hands and gets used in the wrong way, can become a, a burdensome thing. So what happened with the Sabbath uh, as they practiced it in the Old Hands, in, in the Old Testament, as it fell in the wrong hands? Um, they did abuse the gift. Uh, at some points in Israel's history, they abused it by not observing it. But more often, they ab abused it by, by keeping it wrongly, keeping it badly, uh, by misunderstanding uh, how to use this good gift of God. Uh, we see a picture of this in Isaiah chapter 1 where God is just sick of their Sabbath. Uh, he hates what they've done to it. And it says this in Isaiah 1 chap chapter 1 verse 12. God says to the people of Israel, when you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. 
As for your celebrations of new moon and Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. What had Israel done? Those are some very harsh words. Um, God was not in any way honored or worshipped by their practice of Sabbath. In fact, he says, just stop it. You know, and maybe God's saying to them, quit, quit going to church, quit taking the day off, you know, go work, it would be better. Go have a party, go do something. But what you're doing is an abomination to me. Well, why? why? Why had they, what were they doing that made it so bad? Well, it wasn't that they weren't honoring it. Uh, the truth is that they were honoring it uh, but they were doing it in a way that had become very rigid and legalistic. Um, and the truth is that whenever we turn God's commands into rules, there will be problems. Um, God's commands were given as instructions about our love relationship with him. And it's significant that, that this was originally given in terms of God's covenant relationship with Israel. It was in many ways like a marriage between a husband and a wife. And in a marriage, there are, there are boundaries. There are, if you will, guidelines to make that relationship work. You know, you've got to really work out and negotiate which way the toilet paper roll goes on the little dispenser. You know, and uh, you need to negotiate the right agreement for that. Which, which end of the tube of toothpaste gets squeezed first. Now, those are important guidelines. If we turn those guidelines into hard and fast rules... It will kill the relationship. It will kill the relationship. Uh, we as husbands need to know how to, and learn how to please our wives. You know, does she like flowers? Or does she like chocolate? Does she like this? She does she like that? We, we like to know those things so that we can bless them and make them feel loved and cared for. However, if, if it becomes a rule, thou shalt give me chocolate, you know, on the fifth and seventh days of the month, whatever, uh, and you do it as as an ordered command, not out of devotion or love or care, but simply out of blind duty and obligation. It kills the love of the relationship, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly what had happened to Israel. They were keeping the outward form of it in meticulous detail, but they had lost the heart of what it meant. They misunderstood the meaning of what Sabbath was all about. Between the time of the exile in Jesus' time, they had developed 39 different categories of keeping the Sabbath. Each category had dozens and sometimes even hundreds of rules. They named, you know, in, in this story, Jesus, uh, the, the, the poor guy that Jesus heals is caught carrying his bed. They had lists of things you could and could not carry. Well, they didn't have things you could carry, they just had things you couldn't. And basically it was everything. Everything. They had legislated it to death. And they were, on top of that, proud that they were keeping this external and outward uh, form. But God saw that their hearts were empty of its meaning. They had lost sight of what it was really about. Uh, and certainly we can do that to any of God's laws. We can legislate the heart out of it. Uh, we can lose sight of the grand and glorious principle in the mass of petty and overwhelming details. 
And that, the Israelites, the Jews were notorious for this with all of God's laws. They lost sight of the great principle behind the law in in petty details and minutiae where it lost all sense of meaning and purpose, where it lost its heart. Uh, Ironically, it really created this huge burden for the Israelites to carry. Uh, It had become a day that was a day not of freedom or rest, but of great labor and toil. Not by working, but by all its its, uh, prohibitions and demands. Uh, It basically confined you as as a prisoner and became for the Israelites a burden, which ironically was against the law of the Sabbath because you couldn't carry a burden on the Sabbath. But they were carrying this burden of law, this burden of duty and obligation. And so in, in Jesus' day, when Jesus comes on the scene, the Sabbath was not what God had ordered it to be. It was no longer a day of rest. It was no longer a holy day of communion and fellowship with God. It was no longer a day of meeting with God and worship and enjoying Him. It was a day of duty and obligation and demands. Uh, it was a day when most people dreaded because of all that the Jewish leaders had put on it. And so Jesus comes, we see in the Gospel, uh, in this story and in others, Jesus comes as a reformer. And He really comes to reform the Sabbath. And in the Gospels we see Jesus working and teaching to re- return it to its original form, to restore it to its original form. And uh, he did that with a couple important Reformation principles. Just like Martin Luther had his Reformation... I can't can't speak this morning. See, my beard, you know, it helps me actually communicate, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Martin Luther had his great Reformation... (laughs) Okay. You know what I mean. He had these principles. There we go. He had principles. And they were uh, scripture only, faith only. There's one more I can never remember. Grace only? I don't know. Sure, let's vote for grace. Grace? Grace only. Yeah. Uh, Those were his principles. Jesus had principles about the Sabbath to restore it to its rightful meaning and purpose. And they were very simple. Uh, uh, And basically... Uh, his principle is this, that the Sabbath was given for the benefit of man, not man for the benefit of the Sabbath. And you see, part of the problem is is true with, with many areas of the Christian life. God's good gifts can become an institution and an end in themselves to which we become slaves and servants. Instead of them being tools and gifts of God that were given to us, by him for our blessing and enjoy, enjoyment and growth. Uh, they had gotten that flipped around, and Jesus simply said, look, the Sabbath was given for man's benefit and blessing, and it should serve him, not the other way around. And that's the guiding principle behind Sabbath. Uh, we see this illustrated in Luke chapter 4. Um, well, actually, let's, let's skip that one. Uh, let's go down to... Um, Let's go down to uh, Matthew chapter 12. Um, It says, About that time Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. 
But some of the Pharisees saw them do it and protested, look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and his, and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on, on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? Jesus says, look, uh, the, the law was given for the benefit of man. If, if you're starving to death, dying on the Sabbath is not a good thing. Uh, being famished on the Sabbath is not a good thing. Eating on the Sabbath is a good thing. Amen? We like eating on the Sabbath. Uh, he says, you know, David was hungry. His men were in need. They went into the temple. They consecrated bread because their own s- sustained life is more important to God than, than this law. It, 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 it comes under the law of God's grace, of God's provision. Uh, on the Sabbath, the same thing. He says, look, the disciples are hungry. They are innocent of this because they are sustaining life you know, they're not out there harvesting the whole field. They're just gaining some nourishment for that day. And that's not breaking the law. Okay? It is intended to serve man, man's needs, if you will. Uh, our condition, our welfare, uh, are above the, the principle of Sabbath. And the Sabbath is intended to, to bless us, not to curse us. So Jesus says simply, where the Sabbath starts draining life away, starts dragging people down by its demands, then those demands aren't really part of what Sabbath law is, what Sabbath keeping is about. Uh, In fact, Jesus Jesus puts it under this principle or umbrella. He says that all of God's commands, including Sabbath, must be read and interpreted through the great command of love. He says that that is the overarching law that directs and dictates how all the lesser laws are to be understood and carried out. It's an important principle for us to remember. Uh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This fulfills or completes or expresses all the commandments. Um, Jesus spells it out in this story this way. He says, he, says, uh, he continues on in, in verse 7, He says, you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. In other words, it's always right to do the loving, merciful thing on the Sabbath. He said, my guys are hungry. And in mercy and grace and goodness, it is is right for them to eat, to feed themselves, to pick a handful of grain and eat. Um, all of God's laws come under that principle of God's mercy and his love and his goodness. And if there's a place where we perceive that a law is contrary to God's law of love, then we misunderstand that law because it's always lesser to, it's always under God's law of love. Uh, Additionally, Jesus in this passage says, I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Um... Ultimately, uh, we don't submit to a day, a tradition. We don't submit to a principle void of a relationship. Ultimately, Jesus is Lord. Uh, He should be Lord not only of our Sabbath days, but all six, seven days of the week. 
And we are under submission to him as Lord of it to do each day as he directs. Well, we move on um, through the Gospels to the early church. Um, Jesus actually, uh, if you want some encouragement, this may, may or may not be encouraging, Jesus was not a real successful reformer. Um, in the end, the whole Sabbath thing that he taught didn't go very far. Uh, the Jewish people did not uh, buy into what he was teaching, and they stuck to a very rigid, harsh, demanding interpretation of the Sabbath. So after Jesus' death and resurrection, after he departed and the church began to grow and expand and blossom, uh, Apostle Paul came along and they started realizing that the church could not be under or connected with Judaism. That Judaism had missed the boat and they were not putting all of God's laws under the perfect law of love. That they had elevated those laws above God's own purpose and will. And so as with many, in fact, most of the Old Testament commands, uh, the, the, the early church and under the leadership of Paul and with the agreement of the other apostles uh, separated themselves from Judaism. And they said, we don't come into Christianity through the door or through the process of Judaism. Praise God. You know, praise God that we have been set free from that burden of law, including the law of Sabbath. Um, Paul writes this in Colossians. He says in chapter 2, he canceled the record of the charges against us, that is Jesus, canceled the, the debt against us, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Um, the early church felt that it was necessary for them to just break off with Judaism. And by the end of the New Testament writing, uh, they were no longer meeting on Saturday, on the Sabbath. They began meeting on the first day of the week as the, the day of resurrection. Uh, they no longer called it the Sabbath, but they gave it a new name. Does anybody know what the new name is? The Lord's Day. That's right, the Lord's Day. And they, in many ways, tried to separate themselves from all the tradition and forms of Judaism. And they created uh, a, new, a new method, really, for themselves. And they said, we will worship the Lord on the first day of the week, not the seventh. We will do it as the Lord's Day. And while they separated themselves from the Sabbath, and they really uh, rid themselves of all of its burden, all of its regulations, all of its laws... I really believe that in principle they kept what the Sabbath was about. A day set apart, the Lord's Day. A day set apart for God. A day uniquely and specially separated apart to commune with God, to meet with Him, to worship Him, to fellowship with Him. Uh, a day that was the Lord's. Uh, in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, only the writer of Hebrews um, maintains any connection with the, the Sabbath. And in chapter 4, he says this, So God, God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God, speaking of Israel. So God said another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. That time is the season when Jesus has come and has made 
a new kind of rest available. God announces through David much later in the words already quoted, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, that is the promised land, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is still a special rest waiting for God's people. And in the Hebrew, that word, or in the Greek, that word is Sabbath. There is still a special Sabbath for God's people, speaking of the church. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we obey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. And certainly God's salvation in Christ is pictured as an ultimate Sabbath. Um, I think most of us look forward to heaven to being a place where we don't have to work all the time. Is anybody really hoping, gee, I hope I can answer emails for all eternity? Anybody (laughs) hoping for that one? (laughs) You need help. (laughs) And I'm sure God can arrange it. Um, We will have... We will, I believe, have work. I, th- I believe that God says we will rule, we will, we will govern, we will judge. I believe we will have responsibilities. But praise God. Okay, how about this one? Does anybody want to look forward to an eternity of cleaning toilets? Ah, okay, see, there you go. There are limits. Uh, there is work that we don't want. There is burden and duty we don't look forward to. Uh, probably most of us, if we've worked for very long anyway, look forward to someday retiring. Not to like ending all activity, but to entering some kind of rest, some kind of a place in our life where we are free to kind of do what we want and not have people telling us what to do and, and uh, you know, do work that's more play. Well, that's a picture of heaven, a place where we have rest. And, and uh, as believers, we look forward to that day, but also... I really believe we can possess part of that here and now. And certainly every day for us should be, in a sense, of resting in God's presence. Uh, but what about this idea of Sabbath? What about this day of keeping a Sabbath? Uh, do we, are we, should we, keep some kind of Sabbath? When you look at all this, put this, all, this whole picture together from Genesis to Revelation, really, um, Genesis, it starts in Revelation. The only reference we have to the Lord's Day is found in Revelation. When you look at that whole picture and what Jesus saw and taught about the Sabbath, I really believe that it is, in principle, something we ought to practice as a gift of God. Uh, So let's look, just briefly in closing, at how we would do that, what that would look like. First of all, let's look at what it's not. Um... First of all, it's not a long list of rules. Okay? And sadly, too many churches and too many periods of history have tried to reinstitute a Sabbath by writing a whole bunch of rules. As if we didn't learn from the Jews. You know, as if we didn't get from them that this doesn't work. And uh, maybe you've been in churches or traditions uh, or families where uh, you know, all of Christianity was about lists of rules. Okay, remember, God's commands can't be turned into rules. God's commands are boundaries about a love relationship with him. They are how to use his good gifts wisely. Rules are simply things to burden us with demands that have no purpose or meaning. It's not a long list of rules. Uh, And you can't legislate it. So, 
uh, the implication is, what day do we have a Sabbath? Well, you can't really legislate that. Uh, for you, maybe Sunday is a good day. Your kids are home. There's no school. You're not running people here and there. Uh, perhaps your, your, your job lets you have that day off. Maybe Sunday is a good day. Maybe for you, Sunday is not a good day. For me, it's a terrible day. Because, I mean, it's the hardest day of my, my whole week. It is not a Sabbath. It's definitely a day devoted to the Lord, but it's an exhausting day. So I have to have another a day that I pick as a Sabbath. Um, you know, it's not rules. It's not, it's not regulations. Okay, can you, can you play soccer? Can you play football? Can you watch TV on the Sabbath? If you start making checklists of do's and don'ts, of mostly don'ts, uh, you will miss the heart of what it's about. So don't do that. Secondly, uh, it, is, it is a day one in seven. I think there's a principle there about kind of ratios. Um, and I know, I know many of you, I know how a lot of you are. You're kind of like me. And, you know, if it was up to you, you would take a day off once every six months. Okay? I think there's a principle about the way God designed us that we can't do that or we end up in the hospital, and we get very long extended vacations at God's, at God's command. Uh, God's design is that we, we need rest, probably, about at that ratio. Um, now you can't, again, you can't legislate, you can't legalize it. There are days and weeks when it's just not possible. Okay, if you're, if you're on your way from here to you know, your home country and you end up in Taipei on your Sabbath, you can't just say, well, I'm not flying today, it's my Sabbath. I'm staying here. Okay, it doesn't work that way. Uh, it'd be an interesting place to have a Sabbath, though. Um, I love airports. Um, third thing, it's not just a day off. Um, I think a lot of people think that they practice Sabbath because they have one day off a week. It is not just a day off. It is a day off. It is a day of rest. Um, but it's more than just a day off. The reality is, Virtually, you know, everybody in the Western world, anyway, takes a day off at least one or two a week. Does that make it a Sabbath for them? Does that mean the atheist who doesn't work on Saturday, does that make him a, an observer of the Sabbath? No, because it is a day of rest and a day devoted to God. Okay, it has to be both of those things. Uh, fourthly, it's not necessarily a day of total inactivity. Okay, to observe the Sabbath doesn't mean that you just lay in your bed all day or like, you know, you only like, go downstairs and make coffee and sit in a chair from morning till night. Okay, there's nowhere that says it's a day of total inactivity. Uh, it is, as we'll see in a moment, a day when you can enjoy things. Um, Jesus allowed his disciples to harvest grain. Jesus healed. He commanded people to walk. Uh, it's interesting, he commanded them to walk, not to go out and build a house. Okay, there is some activity, but not labor. He didn't say, you, you're healed, get up, go harvest your field. Okay, there was balance there. Um, so what is it? What, what can we do to make for ourselves, to create for ourselves a Sabbath, a day of renewing? Well, first of all, it is a day. It is a day we set aside. And I really believe that for many of us, it's something we have to schedule in. We have to be intentional and specific about it. Uh, for most of us, it won't happen accidentally. We won't get to the end of the day and we'll go, well, you know, I think I just had a Sabbath. You know? I didn't mean for it to happen, but I think it did. Chances are, most of us, it doesn't work that way. Uh, there are too many things fighting for our time and our attention and our energy, too many distractions in our, in our life and in our thoughts and in our heart, that if we're not very intentional about it, very specific about 
setting apart a day for God, it won't happen. We need, to, we need to have a plan. We need to set aside a time and a day. And we need to plan how we're going to make it not just a day off, but truly a day devoted to God. Uh, secondly, it is, it is a holy day. It is a day set apart for God, um, devoted to Him. And it needs to be a day in which we specifically and specially uh, focus our heart and mind on God and His, and his promises, his, his work in our life. A day of special worship, a day of special reflection and meditation, a day of special attention to God and His purpose. Um, it is a day of assembly. And, uh, you know, we're off to a good start. Here at Sunday, we're assembled, we've been worshiping. Since we're off to a good start to a Sabbath. So when you go home, don't wreck it. You know, you've you got a good, a good start to it. So see if you can build on it. Uh, it can be a day of assembly with your family. A day of gathering together with other believers, a small group, large group, uh, that can be part of it. Um, most importantly, though, it's a day of communing with God. That's what Sabbath is about. We ought to, and it, it, you know, we ought to commune with God daily. It doesn't mean, you know, we only do it one day a week and for the other six we don't have to check in with God. Um, we should check in with Him daily. But, there should be one day a week that is set aside for primarily communing with God. Where we have devoted large chunks of that day and time and of our attention to spending in communion, fellowshipping, and worshiping God. Um, now here's the thing. Uh, it, is, it is a path, I believe, to true joy in our life. Now a lot of us think about Sabbath and you, know, you hear about these and you talk about setting aside a day, you know, doing church all day long. Some of you, like high school students, may be thinking that sounds just boring. That would just be a killer. Okay? Um, maybe some of you adults think the same way. Uh, I couldn't do that. That would just be torture. Well, it's interesting when you, when you see how it is painted, in the, especially in some of the prophets. We'll look in a moment. It is pictured as a day of great joy. Uh, if we do Sabbath right, it's anything but boring. It is anything but a drag. It is, in fact, a day of great joy and delight. And in fact, I would say to some of you students, you know, uh, the reality is you think that, and it's fun. I mean, I love, I love games. I love playing I love video games. I love getting distracted on the computer. But the reality is, you can do that all day long and at the end feel quite bored, uh, empty. What God offers is, is better. It is better. Communing with Him is great joy. And to have the privilege of setting aside a day and being in God's presence and to experiencing Him live and afresh in our life is a source of abundant joy. Uh, the problem is not the day of Sabbath. The problem is that for too many of us, our religion is just that. It's a religion. It's a code of principles and doctrine that is missing the person. And so we go and we think about a day of Sabbath and it's a day of emptiness because we don't know how to connect with God person to person. That's what's required for Sabbath to be real. In, in Isaiah, let me read two quick passages in Isaiah. Isaiah 56 says this, Blessed are all those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath day of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. 
Don't let the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. Okay, the latter part of Isaiah is very uh, looking beyond Israel, looking to the Gentiles. He says, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. See, it is, not a, it is not a day set apart to bore you to death or just to sleep away. It is a path to joy of coming into God's presence into his place of prayer and communion with God that fills us with his joy. Um, that's probably the rest we need most. Now you can take a day off and still be tired and dragging at the end of the day. But when you have come into God's presence and you have been filled with his joy, that is true rest. Um, Jesus quotes this passage. He says, I will accept, I will bring it into my holy mountain, uh, fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called the house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah 58, another great passage, says this. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's day. Uh, Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to you. Uh, It's important not just because we need the rest. This is not important just because it will keep you from having a heart attack, which it probably will. It's not important just because it may solve the ulcer you've been fighting for years. Uh, It may not, but it wouldn't hurt. Uh, It's important most of all because it is God's gift to be with him and enjoy him and delight in him. Uh, that means that, first of all, we have to learn how to do that. And uh, my, my challenge, my, my, my plea to all of us is that we make that a pursuit of our life. That we set aside a day, and not just a day, but time daily, to pursue enjoying God. To learning what it means to be so in his presence that we are filled and over, overwhelmed with his goodness and joy that worship flows out of us as, a, as a, a, a gift of delight in our life. So that's what Sabbath is. And the reality is, for people who have tasted that, you know, one day is not enough. Now, the reality is, he only gives us one day out of seven. You know, we can't just make this our whole life yet. But it is a picture of what heaven someday will be. When we enjoy God, when we delight in him moment by moment, when we are filled with his love and goodness. Uh, and God says, I want you now to at least enjoy it one day a week. To at least for one day set it apart as a holy day. Uh, to enjoy me. To delight in my presence. Um, to seek him. Let's pray.